Folks, if your financial professional tends to speak in terms of their industry jargon, it can be confusing, but it's important to have clarity, which is why I so recommend Arif Halaby of Total Financial Solutions. My wife Sue and I are Arif's clients because he provided us with such clarity. He is very knowledgeable and capable when it comes to reliable retirement income. Tune into Arif Halaby's show, The Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM 870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now higher income strategy. Hey, welcome to the show, the Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Halaby. Thanks for being with us. Talk about your family's finances. Managing your success, right? Because that's what it's all about. You work your entire life for something. Hopefully, it's to live the life that you've dreamed of. And, and you didn't just wait till retirement. Our goal is to be the kind of person that lives that life, uh, you know, your, your entire working years. However, in retirement, it's supposed to be the time for you to shine. Listen, retirement is not a function of age. We used to think it was. And in fact, it was when you were, when you were back in the day thinking, well, uh, you know, at 65 years old, Social Security kicks in. Now I receive money. It doesn't always work that way. Today, Social Security maximum retirement age is 67 years old. Uh, we expect that to move up. In fact, if you want Social Security to, to last, they need to start moving the goalposts quite a bit. Because I think for a lot of you, you don't realize that Social Security is going to run out of money. It's the way it is. It's already set up. It's not, an, it's not a debatable conversation anymore. They used to say, oh, that's a scare tactic. Uh, that you're trying to scare, you know, granny to the, to the polls. You're trying to scare. Look, it's, it's a math problem. Politically, it doesn't matter where you fit. One plus one is two. Politically, when the government takes money out of Social Security and uses it to spend instead of the Social Security lockbox or what we call a trust fund, the money is gone. And so what you're counting on is the future earnings, i.e. the taxes, of uh, the, uh, the government in order to, to make money. That's the only way. It's the only way it's going to happen. Government doesn't generate income. Even when government has toll roads and toll booths and airport uh, fees, etc., the expenses far outweigh because they take the money out of the conversation. And what do they do with it? Well, they use it to, to support other structures. For example, the city of Los Angeles, its greatest amount of dollars that it makes, I think three... Uh, organizations, three entities, three departments. It would be the airports, the harbor, and Department of Transportation, the parking tickets. Those are the three most profitable. In fact, they're the ones that pretty much fund everything from uh, trashes to potholes to uh, police and fire. It's all funded by just a small group of people, uh, organizations. And if you don't pay attention to that, if you're somebody who walks around and thinks that well, that's okay. Government is just going to make more money. It doesn't exist. There is no, uh, there isn't a product that it sells. In fact, see if, if this might sound familiar. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you've heard it before. Uh, let's see. I want to give it to you. There it is. We can't help everyone, but everyone can help someone. That sounds like a, like a book. How about this? Government's first duty is to protect the people, not run their lives. 
Does that sound familiar? Might be a, a gentleman by the name of Ronald Reagan. You might have heard of that, that, that guy. Yeah, because it, it, the important part of this is that you realize Ronald Reagan was not somebody who was this radical leftist Tea Party. He was a guy who had basic common sense when it came to running government. I like this one. Republicans believe every day is the 4th of July. In other words, we celebrate freedom. But the Democrats believe every day is April 15th. They look for another place to tax, right? He doesn't, I put the freedom in the tax part. I'm trying to explain it because some of you might go, yeah, what, was that Thursday? Democrats believe everything is Thursday? No, they believe everything is April 15th. Meaning their job is to walk around and find something that hasn't been taxed or hasn't had a tax increase. That is no joke. I have been in Sacramento. I have sat with these folks. I have sat with lobbyists from particular organizations who said, uh, I remember I was sitting in, literally in the lobby, and I I was sitting with a a young lady, and she said, I said, so what are you here for? She said, well, we're here to see if if, uh, Assemblyman so-and-so will will support raising the marriage uh, fee, marriage uh, license fee. I said, why? They said, well, because it hasn't been raised in 15 years. I said, well, yeah, but, but why would you raise, why do you want less people to get married? Oh, I don't think less people will get married. We just want the money for domestic violence. <laughs> well, so do you see how they, they equate marriage must be domestic violence? Like they think, oh, well, you know, if people are going to be fishing, we must charge a fishing license because fishing people charge, <laughs> like what? So literally, that's what she said. Now, I don't know if the bill ever passed or if they ever taxed marriage licenses because I'm still married to the same person for 27 years, so... So I haven't had to to go back and apply for one of those yet. We don't have a trillion dollar debt. Now I would say a $20 trillion debt because we haven't taxed enough. We have a trillion dollar debt because we spend too much. Hmm. Does that sound familiar? You know, I think these are important quotes because for you, if you believe in quote diversity, listen, it permeates churches now. Meaning a place where there was logic and there was thought and there was uh, reasonableness, right? All of a sudden you walk into these organizations and you have these young 20-something, early 30-something millennial pastors and they talk about social justice. Like, oh my gosh, does that not sound scary? Because right now they think it's a good thing because they agree with it. Because whatever the justice, right, those standards are, well, they can change. If you don't realize we have inalienable rights, the reason the Constitution was written, the Bill of Rights was written the way it was, was because they believed the rights we had came from God, not the rights that we had came from man or this church or this organization. If you remember right, the the signers of the Declaration of Independence were multiple different backgrounds. In fact, the Episcopalians and the, uh, uh, the, the Baptists, you know, they didn't all get along. It took them hours to figure out who and how they were going to even open the conversation with prayer and who was actually going to pray as if God would only hear one faith and not the other. So these were fallible men. And when somebody like Ronald Reagan comes along, you, you, you got to think, wait a second. We had built this organization, if you will, the swamp to last and to survive far longer and to get far larger than anybody ever hoped or intended. 
So if we have an organization called the federal government with all of these entities where no longer are laws passed, but rules are dictated from one dictator to another, whether it's a president I support or not, you can't have the EPA or the Department of Labor passing laws on a whim. I support President Trump's Department of Labor did some very bold things recently. They finally said, listen, we don't have that power. We're going to reduce some of this. We, we don't get to go in and talk about every single thing under the sun because it, it permeates from your job. You can't be for big government, big taxes, and big bureaucracy and still be for the little guy. You know, big government, big bureaucracy is not something that happens overnight. Ask yourself this. Listen, you want to do, today you can do asset searches on people. Ask your local representative, Democrat or Republican, House of Representative, Congressman, Congresswoman, Mayor, City Councilman. Ask them privately at one of these fundraisers, you know, get into the common complaining session, whatever it is, right? Whatever you're going to complain about. And then find out if they've already purchased a house outside of California or land, or if they plan on retiring in Idaho or Texas or Florida. Ask them. Do some research. I bet you will find either the same clowns that are passing laws that you and I have to live with if you plan on staying here while they take their pensions, their savings, their lobbyist jobs, their consulting gigs, and they bail. Ask yourself if that's okay. I don't think it is. Because the American people are not undertaxed. The government in Washington is overfed. Does that sound familiar? It's another quote from Ronald Reagan. Seattle. It's like they try to outleft the left. You want to retire? You want to live in Seattle? You want to try to open a business? You want to financially succeed in a place like Seattle? Good luck. They hate you there. They think you got your money. Listen, there's only two mindsets. You want to know somebody's possible life uh, views on money? Ask them one question. Why are rich people rich? Why are rich people rich? Now, if they tell you because they cheated, stole, they're sneaky, they, they know the loopholes. Okay, well, that's their view. They think money's bad, success is bad, they must be bad. But if you ask somebody why rich people are rich, and they say, well, you know, because they created a product that other people wanted, because they provided service at a level that was desirable, almost, not quite, but almost regardless of price, Right? There's a reason people go and spend the night in a hotel that's $700 a night versus a hotel that's $40 a night. They go to sleep, their eyes are closed, they see the same thing called their eyelids. You're still in a bed. What's the difference? Because of service, product, quality. Should not that organization be paid more money? Probably. If you ask why rich people are rich and they tell you because they think those people, those people did something wrong, and then you vote for those same people who believe that, is it any idea or any, any reason why we have a 13% income tax and a 9.5% plus, depending on where you live in Southern California, sales tax, and why your property taxes are going to hit all record highs? They have to. You understand that is the only way they're going to survive in this pension. The only way. Period. Done. Conversation is over. There is no way. 
Oh, but error of prop 13. I don't care. There, there isn't money, you guys, because here's what you can do. Do you understand that you can take your pension and you can leave? You can leave the state of California. So that means the state of California is not going to be able to tax your pension. Uh, you, you know, you could take your uh, retirement account. You saved a half a million dollars. Great job. And you can take that retirement account and you can leave the state of California. So when you pull money out, you can take that money out and you pay nothing in the state. I'm telling you that we are so broke when you add the city, county, state debt. We are $900 billion in debt. I think on the last show, I went through a whole list of countries that have less debt. Countries that are responsible for their ports. Right here, a lot of the ports, the port management outside of a certain zone are supported by the federal government. Local, you have city, local, Long Beach, you know, L.A. County, L.A. City, whatever it is. But by and large, the navies, security, the armies, that's supported by a federal government. So that national government, when you have countries around the world that have less debt than the state of California, that's a very important thing that you consider. Because why are people leaving? Because California residents, here's a story on Fox Business, Brittany DeLee. California residents are fed up over home costs and they head for certain destinations. Are you ready where they're heading? I know. Hold on. Las Vegas. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wait. Texas. How about Florida? Tennessee. Idaho. Colorado. Because they spent their whole life here and their children were raised here in their church and their friends and their family. And now they're being forced to leave. Now, listen, everybody leaves sometimes, right? People, that's a normal thing. People migrate. But we don't have a choice. You're saying, listen, I retire and I leave or I work and I stay. It doesn't seem fair, does it? I mean, and that's, I hate that word. It's a big, big uh, as I say, an, an F word in my family because it's so subjective. It's like, oh, when someone starts talking fair, I either check my wallet or check my rights because they're going to take something from you. All right, here's what I think is important. How are you going to prepare for this mess? Because I think something's coming. I don't know what. We've got uh, stories that are telling us a substantial amount of Wall Street is now saying that we have a recession around the corner. Now, here's why. They look at, they look at uh, indicators and all sorts of things that are uh, from the markets. They look at the buys, the sells, the growth. So, so I don't know. Anybody who tells you they know for sure is full of baloney, and hopefully they don't believe it because that's, that's pretty bad when, you, when you're thinking something is uh, the truth and, and there's some delusion. So that means they must be not telling you the truth. So be careful. I want to tell you a story from this week. We had a client come in. She was shocked. Shocked. 680000 She had her brokerage account. Let's run through one of our banks, right? If you go through it, you'll see there's three big banks that run brokerage accounts. It's one of those in- entities. But the truth is the story doesn't matter because they all are, are about the same. 680000 Ready for this? She doesn't take any money out. She doesn't. She doesn't need it. She has a great job. She goes, Eric, if I'm 61 years old, I'm going to be taking it out, but probably five or eight or nine years from now. Before I start, I'm not going to take it all out at then, Ethan, because it's, and I have my retirement account. I said, okay, well, do you want to make some or part of this safe? It's up to you. And she goes, well, what do you think about these accounts? I said, listen, I can't give you 
buy this stock or sell this. That's not what I do. And when it comes to the taxes that you have to pay or not pay on this money, you need to check with your CPA. That's not what we do. We're not CPAs. I need you to check with an expert. Any financial person who tells you, oh, I'm an expert in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, annuities, taxes, uh, trusts, REITs. You ask them, okay, but what are you good at? They'll say, well, I just told you. Okay, okay, but what are you great at? Because I don't want to work with a so-so plumber and trust my house to it. Worse yet, the guy who built your boat and you're sailing across the sea, do you want to trust a, 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 a person who builds boats, Ford Mustangs, and also can roof your house better than anybody? You want that guy building your boat? Because you're going on a journey. And if that boat sinks in the middle of the sea, if you're 81 years old and you run out of money, if you're 78 and there's a financial collapse, I think you need to have experts in the different fields. That's my opinion. I think you need to know something about your financial life, basically, so that you can hire these people. Sometimes they work on a commission schedule. Sometimes they are paid by the company. Sometimes you have to pay them. Each, in- each industry is different. But what I don't want you to do is to think that you can go to one person and they're an expert in everything. It's usually a sign of immaturity in the financial business or arrogance. I don't want you to think that you're dumb because you don't know this stuff. It's not your job. Your job was to work in your field. Somebody paid you lots of money to do what you did. That's great. That's what they're supposed to do. This lady has paid lots of money to do what she does. She trusts this company. We did some research and one of the one of the brokers one of the brokers was in uh, junior high at best guess could have been elementary school when she was making most of this money and now as a widow her husband passed away that's where she received some of the money they sold one of their properties and she's a widow and this this broker they bought this house when they were young was at best bet in elementary school maybe junior high what do they call it middle school now. And all of a sudden, he's entitled to $500 a month. Actually, a little more than that, about $700 a month. You understand that? That means he makes $700 a month. She doesn't take money out of that. So I go, great. Man, you're buying something for $700 a month. What are you getting for it? She said, well, what do you mean? I said, what are you getting for it? She said, well, you know, my accounts, let's take a look. So, so she looks at her accounts and they are about the same as they were the last two years. The last two years, the accounts are about the same, except for one thing. She's paid about $15,000 in fees. $15,000 in fees to tread water. Now, I said, that's fine. If you want, the, you could do much better than, right? Our goal is to get you between 0 and 12%. That's about what we're going to get every year. Average three to six. We're not going to hit home runs. We're not going to, to, to get negatives. My job is to keep you from being broke. Now, listen, there are a lot of people that can do what I do. Anybody who comes on any radio or TV or writes a book and says, we're the only ones that believe, they're, they're full of baloney. I think you have to look and say, is this person right for me? Is their personality? Is their philosophy is their attitude, all of that stuff. And if they are, great. We're not right for everybody. And we work very closely with your CPAs or your attorneys. We get guidance from them. We'll tell them our points of view. We, we go over and back and forth. That's what you want. You don't want one person 
your financial life sinking and swimming on one person. And when it comes to retirement, there are two main things to think about. See, when you're working, your food, shelter, clothing, that comes from your job. So your retirement accounts can go up and down. That's fine. You're buying, you're selling. As long as you're putting money in every month, every quarter, you have 25 years, no problem. Buying, selling, do that. Because your food, shelter, clothing is coming from your career. Imagine if, hey, this year my uh, income is up 6%. Well, you'll be happy. Oh, this year my income is down 20%. What? What? You can't do that. So that's why your retirement accounts have to have some predictability, some sustainability, so that you're not taken for a ride that you can't afford to lose money on. I like it when you're working because, listen, there's a reason that a mortgage is 30 years. There's a reason that your car payment, for some of you that have car payments, is four, five, six, seven years now. There's a reason that student loans are 10 years. Because your income is supposed to be predictable for a period of time. Your retirement accounts, if they're in the market, are not predictable. So if a financial professional tells you, my job is going to be to make you rich, it's going to make you, uh, I can make you rich, we can double your money in 12 years and 8 years. You have to ask yourself, buddy, why are you still working then? Have you been doing this more than 8 years? Oh yeah. Well then why aren't you rich? I mean, I don't mean to be rude, Mrs. Broker, but if you're supposed to be that good, your mom better be owning an island. Your dad better be a, a millionaire, maybe a billionaire, because you should probably love them more than me. So what's your job? Well, it's just a cycle, right? It's, as I mentioned, this lady for the last two years have been on this treadmill, and she's somewhere in the neighborhood, so you can be clear, of about $15,000 in fees. So don't make it so that your accounts are all, all your eggs are in one basket. I think you want to be careful. So here's what I think. The bookends of a solid financial life, they include different things when you're retired, especially when you're retired. Number one, emergency accounts. Before you start talking about what you're going to do in eight or nine or 12 years from now, you better have an emergency account. At least six months of your expenses, I'd like to see a year. And I would like to see you saving every month. Just because you are retired, it doesn't mean you should be putting, you should not be putting money in your retirement account or your savings. You should. That emergency account should be receiving dollars every single month or quarter, whatever it is. Why? Because you might want to take a vacation or the roof might leak or you might need new brakes on the car. And instead of saying, I have this retirement account and I have this savings account and the savings account is going to drop, 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 drop down to zero because you're going to have emergencies in the next 20 or 30 years, we want to be careful. Now, here's why you don't hear a lot of other financial guys talking about this. Because we don't get paid on your emergency account. We don't get paid when your money sits in a money market account or checking or savings or CD. So they, they don't, it's not a big deal. Right? It's not even an emphasis. I'm telling you it is. Before you see us, you need to make sure that you have money set aside. Now, you might say, Eric, I'm working on it. No problem. Come and see me if I can help you. We'll say, okay, you know what? Wait till that account reaches this number then. Or you can shift some of the money from retirement and keep it into a safe and liquid place. That's great. That's fine. Then we'll take 
this portion of your retirement account. We do that all the time. Right? You have a certain amount. We take half of it. We take a third of it. We'll put that into safe, predictable income streams. Because the most important thing for you and me is to sleep well at night. You don't want to be the person who can't sleep well at night because the market is dropping or because uh, you know, stuff is happening in Europe or there's a trade embargo or, or tariffs or whatever. Don't let somebody on the other side of the ocean dictate how well you sleep in your bed. Don't let somebody on the other side of the country dictate how well you sleep in your bed. We have understood this. This is not make-believe. We've gone through over a year now. The Democrats will not work with President Trump. Period. Done. End of story. They will not. He tries to save the DACA kids. He, he doubles down <laughs> instead of his 800,000. He said 1.8 million amnesty. They said no. Well, okay. The leaders of their party told people to build a wall. The last couple of presidential elections... Before this last one, that was the subject. If you're illegal, don't come here. There's audio. There's video of Hillary Clinton and President Obama saying, build the wall. Illegal immigrants are bad. Or we don't want them. Ba, ba, ba. President Trump, if he says it's blue outside there, you know, in the sky, they're going to say, well, wait a second. It's... So you need to understand they are going to be obstructionists. So you have to protect your accounts for emergency sleep well. I'm going to come back with the second end of this bookend the back end of the bookend, if you will. And what does that mean? It means it's going to sit here and tell you, and I think you're going to be surprised because it's probably not what you think. I'm Eric Hallaby, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE. You're listening to me, Eric Hallaby, on the Total Financial Hour. Stay with me. We'll be right back after these messages. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now, Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial. Hey, welcome back to the show. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. Thanks for staying with us. Triple Eight Ninety Nine Retire. If you have a question or a comment, we'd love to hear from you. And plus, that number works all week long. We forward it here. So I know the magic of technology. You're going to see behind the scenes here. We forward it to the studio so we can take your calls live. Uh, so don't call to. to, to uh, uh, you know, confirm your appointment for the week because uh, during this hour of the show, you'll come on the live. Uh, and during the week, the, the uh, phone number goes directly to my office, right? We have an amazing staff, Laurel, Jeff. We have some great people at the office uh, that take your call. Okay, uh, here's a couple of things that are pretty important. When we talk about the bookends of a solid financial life, I think you need to know something. Emergency accounts, that's money today, right? The first thing you're going to have is checking savings, uh, those types of accounts. But probably even before that, it's the money in your pocket. You have $50 in your pocket. That's it. That's your emergency for right this second. Next is going to be swiping an ATM card, then maybe a CD or something that's a medium term, right? So the idea is something you can access sooner rather than later. Okay, that's important. The other bookend that I'm talking about is a guaranteed lifetime income. Now, I like guaranteed lifetime income that can even go up a little bit or a lot, depending on the situation in the market. Going forward, usually the teachers' unions, now just the, not all of them because they all have their own individual contracts, but some of them have pensions that go up every year. 
that means there's a fixed amount of 2% or 3%. Some pensions will only go up if there's a cost of living and they have some funky formula. Uh, don't even... They just make this stuff up. It's incredible. You know, they, they select a basket of goods and then they divide by this and it's a square root of that. And they go, oh, poof, I guess there's no pay raise this year. <laughs> really? Well, why is it that it costs $4 to fill up my gas in my car? And you're telling me that there isn't any inflation. And a you know, gallon of milk is uh, the price of uh, what used to be two gallons of milk just eight or nine years ago. So, oh, well. So don't fall for the, trust me, we'll create a formula that works. That's fine. But their purpose is not to give you a pay raise. Their purpose is to st- sustain the pension fund. Now, I know that doesn't sit well with you, but you have to make a decision. Because it has been written when Social Security first came out that it is the greatest Ponzi scheme ever created in this country, yeah, written by an econ- economist. And it wasn't meant in a derogatory way. It was meant as a way of saying, hey, look, Ponzi schemes can work, I guess. I don't know. Uh, The guy's passed away by now. I don't know what he was thinking. But what it means, so what is a Ponzi scheme? It's simple. When money comes in from the new people, it's used to pay the old people. That's it. The way a a traditional investment, when you put your money in in a financial product, is they take the money, they invest it, they make interest, so the asset grows, hopefully. There's interest, there's dividends, there's growth, whatever it is. And that's, that's how you take money out, is you're taking the growth. The actual investment is there, maybe it goes up or down a little bit. But the money that's there doesn't go out the back door as fast as it comes in the, the front door. But in a Ponzi scheme, the only way it sustains is to have more and more money coming in the front door because there are people that want it and that's how they get paid so so some pensions and social security is being called that simply because the only way for them to succeed is not because they have some amazing investments they own this office building or they own these great uh, stocks or bonds or they own part of this company or this trailer park no 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 they they do own that pensions own all those things but they also are spending all the interest and then some so the only way that they are able to exist is with new money coming in the front, the, the front door. The new money comes in the front door from new employees and in the state, in the case of government pensions, from taxpayers. So if you're a city, county, state, and this year we have a, we're funded at 85%. That means based on their best case scenario, there's only 85% of every dollar that's in there. So the taxpayers have to come up with the difference, 15%. There are some cities and communities that are funded at 60%, 65%. So what they'll often do in the pension system is they'll dip into the principal. In other words, the bucket of dollars will shrink because the taxpayers can't afford to put all that money in, especially if you're a smaller city or a county. Now, you might think that, oh, I'm part of a school district, but don't worry. We have Cal CalPERS, Cal PERS, the big state pension systems. The challenge is this. It's just a big bucket of money, but a portion of it is dedicated to your school district or your city or your county. So they're still on the hook for your dollars. And that's what happened in Northern California. It was a smaller city. And they said, okay, actuarially, this lady's living longer than we thought. That's really what happened. So 
city, you're going to need to put in one point something million. And the city said, oh, listen, we have, I don't know how many, 30 employees. We can't, we can't put in $1 million. It's not, that's half of our budget. They said, well, then that lady's going to get less money in order to sustain this for the reworked amount of li- years that she's going to live. So the lady got, took a pay, a pay cut. I think she was in her mid-70s, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say 72 uh, is the low, but I think she was 76, somewhere in that area. Right now, think about this. She's retired for nearly seven years. And she's now took a pay cut from about 4000 a month to 1700 Now, you tell me how many of you can take a pay cut like that, especially because even though you may have been putting into Social Security with other jobs, the Social Security system says, oh, no, you were so blessed over there to get a pension. We're going to take back some of your Social Security. I know you earned it. But you know how many illegal people came in and never put money in and they need it? Well, they don't tell you that part. You know how many people are taking money out of Social Security that never put money in? Well, we need yours. They don't tell you that part. So what happens instead is you don't receive Social Security. At the same time, the city, county, state can reduce your pension. Now, you might say, oh, Eric, that'll never happen. Listen, I, I won't go, for, go with, uh, through it on this radio show, but I've done it before where I go through a list of the cities and counties where what is expected in the next four, five, six years, the dollars that are expected that have to be spent in order by the budgets of the cities and counties and states in order to meet the obligations of what's expected. LAPD alone this January is going to have over 700 officers retire. 700 that's an enormous number. Even if, even if you took 700 and you averaged the pension dollars, I don't know, let's just say 60,000 a year. 700 times 60,000. How many do you think that's going to be? It's a lot of money, guys. Every single year. Now I want my brothers in blue to do well. But the city and the, and the counties and the states have to manage these things because here's what will happen. They're going to come to you and they'll cherry pick the right, you know, firemen and policemen and, you know, the nurse and the little, uh, the little disabled child. And they're going to say, listen, if you're a taxpayer, you want this old lady pushed off a bridge? Because you understand this older guy right here, he served our country. So if you don't want to give us more money in taxes, then you're just, you're just not patriotic. And that's what they're going to have to do because they're not going to manage their own, their own self. So here's what the other part that I'm talking about, guaranteed income. I think you need other sources of income. What we do is give you strategic guaranteed income streams that come to you when you need it, how you need it. Remember I said that, that a financial professional's job is not to make you rich. It's to keep you from being broke. That's my job. It's to keep you from being broke. I'm an expert at it. I'm not going to make you wealthy. I'm not going to find the next stock that's going to buy and sell. I'm not the guy to say, you know, leverage yourself with six apartment buildings in eight cities. No, I'm not going to do that. Do I think you might need some of those other things? Well, that's up to you. But I also think you need to have a good CPA. You need to have a good trust attorney. And you need to have somebody who's good where when your food, shelter, clothing 
no longer comes from your job, which you want that income to be stable, right? And your retirement accounts can go up and down. You want, as time goes on, you want your retirement accounts to be stable because the income that you're going to be taking out of that needs to be predictable. It's just a logical approach. Math and logic, that's all we do. Here's my concern. The youth that are going to be putting into, quote, the Ponzi scheme of pensions and Social Security are much more selfish than your generation. They are. Here's a couple of good examples. Have you noticed backing out of a parking space? How quickly do people, they don't stop. They don't wait anymore. Right? They used to wait. Go ahead, back up. Back up. Give you a chance to back out. They whiz down the street. They whiz by you. I've seen it. It happened today, coming out of church parking lot. I told my wife, she was driving, and I said, you know, this is amazing. And she said, have you noticed it's happened a lot lately? I said, that's great for the show today. Because I started noticing that younger people, they're not bad. But they were always told that they got a trophy just because they were there. And listen to the graduation speeches. You are amazing. You're going to change the world. The future is in your hands. No. Listen to, was it Ashton Kutcher gave an amazing one a few years back? You're late. I'm, I'm going to, listen, Aston didn't say this. I'm, I'm not going to quote him exactly. But to this, I would agree. You're a lazy son of a gun. The world owes you nothing. You kind of really don't matter that much until you decide that you want to matter by getting up and doing something. Your family loves you and cares about you. And that's a wonderful thing. But the world has no use for you until you provide a use for it. Otherwise, you just consume. You just take. And folks, you need those people to put into the pension system. You need those people to go to work and get a good job and put into the social security system. Now, here's my concern. When I started on LAPD 20, well, 30, uh, 30 years ago, whatever it was, my job was to put, I'm going to get it off a little bit. I think it would back then was about 8% of my pay. 8% into maybe 6%, whatever it was, into the pension system. I put in some, the city matches some, the earnings of the account are the rest, and together that makes enough to grow the fund. Well, when the earnings are so far below standard and the guy in the back end is living longer than we initially planned when he came on the job way back when, you have a choice. Somebody has to put in more money. So they steadily over the years have raised it. I told you if I was king for a day, this is what I would do. I'd go to every pension system and I say, you have to put in 15%. People would be like, yeah, 15%. You don't pay tax on it, so that's you get a little bit of a break. You have to put in 15% of your pay. But when you do that to the millennials, and you tell them, and they're sitting there hearing conversations like this, like, wow, Social Security will be broke in 2033. Pensions aren't, don't have enough. And you're going to tell them you're going to work longer, put in more money for less benefit. Do you think they're going to, oh, I don't know, participate willingly? They walk out on phony protests as it is. They get their kids to get out of high school and they they start these uh, social uh, uh, baloney ideas. You don't think this, this millennial group, when you start taking money out of their pocket for, quote, things they're never going to see, and that's what you're going to need 
because you have to have them put in money in the front end. I think you're going to see a class warfare, and it won't be about race. I think you're going to see a young nurse who's a single mom who's 32 years old. She has two children. And you're saying, hey, remember when you went to school, you know, 10 years ago, you got out of school and, and you were working and, and that nurse that was training you? Well, right now she's 68. She's retired and she's in Fiji having a blast. But you're going to have to put in more money. Because I don't know if you know, but she might be 68, but she looks like she's 58. She eats well. She's living a long life. And darn it, she wants to scuba dive. So I get that you're struggling, single mom of two. But you need to put in more money so she can live a better life. And that will happen with teachers, with police officers, with county workers, with city workers, with uh, nurses and, and public hospitals, university employees. It will happen everywhere. The great news is the same thing as the bad news, which is this is recorded. And later, when I'm proven to be right, you'll say, oh, he was a genius. Well, that's okay. I'll give you the address to send checks later. Or the award. Pulitzer Prize. Nobel Prize. They were giving those away a few years ago. Was it about eight years ago? I'll take one. Heir of Hallaby, Nobel Prize in Economics. For predicting that millennials will fight back when we try to take more money from them. That'd be nice. I'd probably donate it to charity. After I bought a brand new pen, because I like to collect pens. But beside that... They force you, these are millennials, they force you to believe their ideas so they can reinforce that they're right. Oh, do, you, do you realize when you and I were in school, this thing called hate speech, it doesn't exist. It's like a tooth fairy. Hate speech. No, there's speech. If you disagree with it, it's hate? What is that? You're supposed to have people you don't agree with. Why do you think Facebook is now skimming out people you don't agree with? And they've limited it to, what, 25 or whatever it is, top people that you've agreed with, basically. They're not allowing you to have diversity of thought. They want diversity of color, but not diversity of thought. Since their arguments are based more on emotions, the left, and millennials in some cases, right? there's some great millennials, I'm not realize, right, There's as Dennis Prager says, I love it, when he does, there's good people on the left, there's bad people on the left, bad people on the right, good people on the right, right? And he, I love that. Because there's so many of you that say, oh yeah, well what about Charles Manson? Oh yeah, what about Mother Teresa? Okay, there's good and bad people, up, down, sideways, white, black, short, tall, skinny, I get it. But generally speaking, since the Democrat views are based on emotion and feelings, and emotion and feelings can change. They constantly need reinforcement. That's why the people around them have to constantly agree. And if you disagree, especially at a time when they're weak in their belief, because remember, emotions change, they have to fight and argue. It's almost like being backed in a corner. When you speak to a conservative who's much more rational and thoughtful with the idea, now listen, there are conservatives on the left can be emotional and right and right. Okay, got it? But generally, a conservative's idea is based on facts, and it's based on a a system of logic. So I don't care if you agree with me or disagree with me. I don't care if you yell, hold 16 signs, walk out of school. It doesn't change one plus one being two. 
And in math, that's very important. Because your feelings don't dictate math. It doesn't dictate percentages. It doesn't dictate fractions or... Your feelings are nice. It's where you should spend your money. It's what you can do with your time. But the further you get away from you, government, pension systems, your, your employer, the less your feelings are to matter. That's why social justice co- co- companies, how long do you think Starbucks is going to be able, when they have a, a lobby full of smelly people, I, I mean, really, how long do you think they're going to be able to have a, a, a far left liberal who's going to walk in there with their little children and some guys drooling, hi, baby. You don't think that's going to, you don't think that lady's going to walk out and either go through the drive through and then when there's 18 cars in the drive through say, hey, you know what, I'll go to another coffee shop. Oh, but we don't want to kick anybody out. That's nice. Then I'll tell you what, when the landlord comes to collect their rent, say, hey, I feel like I should only give you half because I felt like Math was different in my lobby today. So I'm going to feel like it's different when I write the electric bill check. No, you can't do that. They have to always seek outside approval. This is important. How do you expect this same group of workers to put mass amounts of money into a pension system and a social security system that they're going to have to delay or not get at all? You realize they're much more educated on this. So when you tell them, oh, by the way, you're working Social Security, you have to put into Social Security part-time because you work, but you also have a government job, right? You're a teacher, so you work during, and then the summer you work at a job where you have to, where the government forces money out of your check that you will not, cannot ever see. You don't think they're going to fight that? You don't think there's going to be some sort of a, uh, I think there is, I think it's immoral. We know that if you're a police officer, teacher, whatever, we, you shouldn't have to put into Social Security anymore if you're working part-time once you qualify for that pension, 10 years, whatever the number is. And you're an educator and you're working in the summer job. Why, why should they take money from you? You're not going to ever receive it. You don't think that my friends on the left are not, my millennial, uh, I have you know, three of them, so right, I have three kids. I know you say, oh, you look so young. I know, but I do. 22-year-old. 23 almost, actually, in a few, uh, few days. I think this is what's going to happen. They're going to have to delay or never receive these dollars uh, in order for the system to work, and I think they will fight it. And I think you better be careful because if you're counting on 100% of your retirement coming from a pension or Social Security, I think you need to to be realistic and manage that. I don't know what number, 50%, 75%. I tell our clients, look, if your pension is $4,000 a month and you're going to retire at 55 because there are a lot of companies and, and uh, usually government employees that can do that, then at 55, we're going to count by the time you're 75 that you're going to get about 75% of that. Right? I, I, I don't know if that's the right number, big number, but I'd rather have you be safe. And then my job is to make sure that in 10 years from now, we have guaranteed streams of income or five years or, or 12 years, whatever the number is. We have guaranteed streams of income that you cannot outlive. That's pretty powerful because your food, shelter, clothing, why do you think people move out of California? I'm just tired of this 300 days of sunshine, darn it. <laughs> right? You don't hear that. 
the number one reason, and there's not even a number two, uh, you know, somewhere far down the line maybe, is it is just too expensive. Now, the subcategories, property taxes, gas taxes, electric bill, right? You can, you can put the reason they think it's too expensive. Income taxes, 13 point something percent now in the state of California. So you're going to tell that same person, hey, listen, don't worry. We're not going to have predictable streams of income, but you're going to choose to stay in a place that's too expensive. Listen, we have clients in about, uh, I think, 15 states now, or I'm licensed in 14, 15 states. We have clients probably in about 20. So if we do work with them, we have to get licensed in the state. If we don't, if they just move there and, and that's it, then there's, we don't have to get licensed. And that happens. What? Today, so far this year, so I track this, so far this year, one out of two, right? What are we, six months into the year? One out of two of our clients retire outside the state of California. It used to be when I started 22 years ago, one out of 10. That was about the number. Today, it's one out of two. Now, for the last few years, eight years specifically under President Obama and, and Jerry Brown, as they really started pushing and and regulating and everything's raising in taxes and companies are moving. When all that started happening, we started seeing about one out of three. It, it was fairly dramatic. It didn't, didn't go down from 10 to three, but it went down fairly quickly. And all of a sudden, one out of two this year. <clears throat> because people say this, look, I can sell my house for whatever, whatever, and I can buy a house in another state. Now, listen, other states still have a uh, you know, streets and roads and sewer and police and fire, they still have things they have to collect taxes on, no, no question. But I think there is a lower expectation. I think they expect to have a lifestyle when you work for the city, county, state. The reason you do that is the same reason people did before when they started in California. You did it so you couldn't get fired. And you did it so that you had pretty good benefits. You could retire 30 years ago when I came on the police department, you could retire at 20, year, 20 years of service. Do you know that? That man, I was... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.